Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, if you were here Wednesday, how many of you were here Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. We had an amazing time on Wednesday. And if you weren't here and you heard about it, don't feel sad. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. (laughs) Yeah, amen. Today, I think think I'm looking more for you to touch and to feel than I am for you to really, you know, to be aiming at your minds. But that's okay. I hope your minds get some of the overflow, too. But imagine, imagine somebody wrote that song. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Have you felt, have you seen his eyes on you? Do you know what that feels like to look up and know that his eyes are looking at you and your eyes are looking at him? One of the last scripture verses in the Revelation says this. At the very end, before the Lord's return, there is a cry that comes up out of the people of God, out of the bride. They don't get put off men when I say bride. The biggest he-men of the world were, were part of that bride. Men, women, just like women are the sons of God, men are part of that bride. That intimate relationship, that big, burly, husky fisherman was, was a part of the bride. And all of those, those, those men's men were part of the bride. And in the last days, God is saying there is going to be a group of people that, is, that are going to be so uh, connected to him, so in love with him, so obsessed with him, so in tune with him. And it says that in the last of the revelation, it says, and the bride and the spirit say, come. Now, that's interesting because there, I believe, is going to be a unique relationship between the body of Christ and the spirit of God as the days grow. It is absolutely imperative that that be so in the last days and that Brothers and sisters, however you want to count it, my own opinion, we are moving so rapidly toward that day, it blows my socks away. I don't know. It could be 50 years. It could be 60 years. It could be, it could be 10 years. I don't know. But I know that I know. And the people who deeply respect and people who really know the word and know God deeply. There's a cry in us. There's a cry calling out, calling out for the spirit of God, for the Lord Jesus to come. Whether whether you're crying out this morning to come into your life, to come into your family, to come into the church, to come to revival, to come to America. If you and I would be in touch There is a cry that is starting to rise in the spirit, in the hearts of God's people that is saying, come, Lord Jesus. And if you say this morning, Linda, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know any. I don't know it. Well, you know what? You're just not in touch with it right now. But we're going to pray that in these next weeks, you're going to get in touch with it. I just want to start by telling you the day of nominal Boring Christianity is over. I believe that with everything that's in me. So I read all the magazines, the Christian magazines, and they say, all of the young people, they don't want anything to do with us anymore. The church is old. We're old. We don't think right. And I want to say, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I don't blame them in a lot of ways. I don't blame them because in so many ways, we, we have offered them religion on a plate, on a, a religion on a plate, and said, you know, every once in a while, maybe, you know, a little, uh, a, a little prayer is answered, and, 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 and that's good. But I want to tell you, I really believe it with everything that's in me. You, you have, this is my opinion. But I think it's the opinion 
of a lot more people than me. I think that we're tired of the being just hearing. I mean, listen, I think the sermons coming off this pulpit are really, really good. I really do. I, I step aside. I do. I do. But if you have noticed, there's something happening in the preacher, too. Yeah. Amen. The spirit of God is moving. And we're all tired of it. We're tired of warmed over religion. And I say, thank God. And I'll tell you something. I think it's God who's turning this spigot off. I think God is saying, you know what? Enough. Do you know there was a time when he said to Israel, enough with your feasts and your sacrifices. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it all. Excuse me? Aren't you the one who instituted these things? I'm sick of it. You think God doesn't have emotions? You think God doesn't get sick of things? Oh, you're made in his image. Of course he does. And you know why? Because God said, because your lips are, your lips are toward me, but your heart is far from me. And I, I want to say that the day, again, of just nominal Christianity, uh, and, and listen, thank God. Thank God. There will be some people. There will be some people. I, I, I believe that we're called. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of this church and why we, we want you to know who we are and where we stand. And we want you to understand. I want to tell you something. I want to prophesy and tell you something. Listen, if we don't, we don't understand this book from the beginning to the end is about one person. It's about Jesus Christ. It is Jesus from the beginning and it is Jesus in the middle and it's Jesus in the end and the church. And when I say church, first of all, I'm a part of it. So I'm not standing here and judging anybody else. I'm part of, I'm part of it all. I've been a leader long enough to take responsibility myself, but I'm telling you that the church has had everything at its center we have had, excuse me, I think there's been a lot of good things about seeker meetings, but brothers and sisters, enough with the seeker meetings. I want to tell you, the world is not interested in our theology. They're interested in our God. They are thirsty for God. They don't know it. And that's why they're in Buddhism. And that's why they're in Hinduism. And that's why they're in the New Age. And I bloom and don't blame them. I started that road myself. I was on my road to the New Age. When I was a young woman, my father died, my world collapsed. And, and I, I remember I went into my old church and I sat down and I, I listened to the service that went on. And I remember sitting there saying, this is so irrelevant. What is this saying to me right now? My need. And I walked out of that place and I thought, you know what? Maybe people today are just smarter than they used to be. Maybe it was for the uneducated people. And maybe today, you know, th this is just a new day. Until. Now, listen to me. When I say these things, you know, first of all, I am not, you get what I mean? I'm not lifting up any experience I had. I've had so, I just wish I was so much further than I am at this age. Let's just start there. Let's just start there. But when you have met him, when you have really, really met him, do you know that the church at Rome, the Christians at Rome that were eaten by animals, that sang songs of worship while they were being eaten by animals, that were torches in Nero's garden, do you know they never once even saw the sight of Paul? Paul never even got to Rome. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit, when he makes himself real, I want to tell you, it, what would those people be doing that for? Why would they be doing that? And don't we think that it's time for us to just not have, ex don't you think we need some more experiential knowledge of Jesus? And not, I mean, listen, doctrine, you heard Pastor James talking a few weeks ago. We're not light on doctrine in this place. We're not light on doctrine. Actually, over the 40 years we're here, we're a very stable church, I want to say. I want to say the community respects us because we're, 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 you know, we're, we're not weirdos, okay? Well, you don't live in our house, so 
I can say that I'm safe, but I have kids around that might. But I want to tell you, I have touched and I have thirsted and I have touched more of God and I'm not ready anymore to settle for where the church is anymore. I mean the church. People like us are not ready and willing to settle for what we're experiencing today. Does anybody say amen? amen. Jesus said to the, the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, we throw them around, the Pharisees, the scribes. Do you know that those people, they could quote the first five books of the Bible. They, they, they could quote the first five, five books of the Bible. They went in every, to Sabbath every week and they heard the scriptures read. And they heard the scriptures read. And when the Messiah himself stood in front of them, they did not believe him. In fact, they crucified him. And Jesus said this. He said this to them one day. You search the scriptures. And in them, you think you have life. But they just point to me. And yet you won't come to me. That's what Jesus said. Can, can I now I, I'm going to be really risk being misunderstood stood a few times today. So we need to keep this out of James's hands, this tape. <laughs> but but I think you'll get what I'm saying. The Bible is quite clear. The letter of the law kills. The letter without the spirit kills you. That's what those men have. Read Matthew 23, where Jesus spoke to them and said, Woe to you. Woe to you. About He just he just went over and over again about you put heavy burdens on people you're not even willing to help them carry. If there's one thing Jesus hated, it was religion. Because it had the Judaism had so descended to such a place that they didn't even recognize Messiah when they saw him. I don't know. I think it's possible today in the church that that could be true of us too. You see, we, we make everything, we organize. It was, it was God revealing himself. Let me just tell you one thing. You know, we talk about when, when Moses went up to the mountain and received the Ten Commandments. But you know, that's not all what he received. He also received the blueprint to build a tabernacle. And if you read Exodus, you'll hear God's heart. And this is what God said. Build me a tabernacle. I want it like this. I want it to look like this. I want the drapes to be this. I want the, the metal to be like this. I want that I might come and dwell among my people. That has been the cry of the heart of God through all eternity. That is all he's really looked for. He wants a people that he can dwell in and they can dwell, they can live in him and he can live in them. And because our experience is so short, so, so short, brothers and sisters, because we don't know the power of the Holy Spirit in the hour that we live in, in our lifetime, we are, can only settle for this much of what God has for us. Listen, there's a, there's a psalm. And it says this. How, how, how wonderful it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. How wonderful. How unusual it should have said. But how wonderful it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil coming down over Aaron's head and down through his robe. Now Aaron was the high priest. And the high priest is the one who was the only one who was able to leave the outer court where all the animals were being killed and sacrificed. And the holy place was where there was a candlestick and there was a table of the bread, the uh, show, showbread presents. And there was another altar with incense going on. But behind this veil was the Ark of the Covenant. And God said, 
My presence is right there in that ark. Can you imagine that God Almighty confined himself to a little box in a little room in a, in a, in a little building and said, that's where my name is. I'm putting my name there. You want to know what all this hubbub, Jerusalem, all this stuff is going? Just remember, it's all about where God has left his name, where he wrote his name. He's written his name today in the church. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people were the people that carried the presence, that ark, where he it was, his presence was committed to it. He was in there. And today, the church, us, we're the ones who carry his presence with us. We are too. So that whole, that high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year with bells all around his, his uh, bottom of his garment. So that the people outside, he would be taking the blood of an a- animals to bring to sacrifice for all the blood for the sins of the people for the past year. And they wanted to make sure they kept hearing the bells because if they stopped hearing the bells, maybe God wasn't happy with that sacrifice and that high priest was, was gone. It was a tremendous thing. It was a frightening thing to go in to think that a human being could walk into the presence of and, and come that close to the presence of God. God said, I want to be close to my people. I want to be, I want you to dwell with me, and I want to dwell with you. That's what he's always wanted, and that's what he's wanted today. Now, the priesthood, long story, not going into the details, but God wanted every Jew to be a priest. But because of the disobedience, he picked one tribe, one family, the family of Aaron. And so all of the descendants of Aaron were priests. And that's why that psalm says that the anointing, when they anointed a high priest... The oil was just, it wasn't just a few sprinkles. It was dripping from the top of his head. And it said in that, in that psalm, it went all the way down to the bottom of his robe. Brothers and sisters, that's what happened after the 120 days when the church was waiting. When Jesus, his last words will not go. His last words will wait. Wait until my spirit, wait Until I pour out my spirit. And when that happened, brothers and sisters, that's exactly what happened. Jesus took the throne. The work was finished. It was over. He reclaimed and redeemed all of creation. He claimed and redeemed all of mankind that would believe in him and come into the new creation. He did it. He did it all. And so he came and he sat down at the right hand of the father. Yes, yes, the right hand of the Father. Amazing. And when he did, God poured. The Holy Spirit came flooding down, flooding down to the earth and right off the robes of this new king, this new king, Jesus. His work was, his mission was done. But now... The other member of the Godhead was to now take over. If there's one thing you ever want to know about Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit, and you can get them confused because they don't care. They don't mind. They're so selfless. They don't care if you get them confused. You talk to one. You talk. They don't really care. The Father's saying Jesus. The Holy Spirit's saying Jesus. I'm telling you that you're going to see, you mock my words, in the coming days in the church, you are going to see Jesus Christ start to become the preeminent center of the church again. It's not going to be all the things that we have made sensual, brothers and sisters. It's not going to be coffee. It's not going to be making little coffee uh, houses in our church. And, and it's all of it. I'm telling you the day it's Jesus is saying, I want back in my church. I want to be center in my church. He does. He does. And brothers and sisters, when he is, everything changes. 
And then the Holy Spirit came. No wonder, no wonder, Jesus said, when the disciples were all sad that he was leaving, Jesus said, hey, guys, you don't understand. It's expedient for you. It is so in your favor for me to go. You have no idea. You have been with me. Oh, but there's a new day. There is a new day. And this new day is going to change everything by my spirit. Try to remember where I am because I'm going to go on bunny trail. Come with me to John 4, to the woman at the well. There she is, her fifth husband. Her life is a disaster. She's, she's a Samaritan who the Jews hated. She, they hated the Jews. They were mixed Jews. They were Jews that had intermarried, and the Jews thought they were just totally unclean. And there she was one day, and who does she meet at this well? But she meets the master. And he starts to speak to her. And he starts to talk to her and tell her all the things about herself. That was by the Holy Spirit he was telling. He knew all these things. And he started to talk to her. And she said, well, you know, our people, we, we, we worship over here at Mount Garrison. And, you know, you people, I know you, you worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, oh, 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 oh. The hour is the hour is coming and now is when they that worship me will worship God in spirit and in truth he was saying lady if you could understand what's about ready to happen this dispensation is just about ended I'm wrapping this up what you don't understand is that I'm about ready to make a new covenant with human beings. I'm about ready to no longer just live in a little box, in a little tent. I'm about ready to come and live in the absolute center of every human being that will let me in. I want to come and dwell with my people. I want to dwell with you. I don't want you to, I just want to see you once a week. I don't want to, I want to dwell within my people. That is the Holy Spirit's job. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, really, really, let's take for a minute and just think about it. There's Peter. You'll be Peter for a minute. You were in that boat when they hit the storm. You were in that boat when they turned to the master and they said, Master, don't you care? We're perishing. And he just got up and looked at them and said, Peace, be still. He was there when they all gathered around that tomb of Lazarus. He was there when the, when the master himself raised his voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. He was there. He was there. And all the disciples, they saw it. They knew him. They saw him come out of that, that tomb. They saw him and he said, Loose him. Peter was one of the guys who took the bandages off of him, off of Lazarus. <gasps> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Do you think that that absolutely changed his life? Don't answer you. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration when suddenly they're talking to Jesus and all of a sudden he just changes right before their eyes. And he starts... And, and the, the glow, like the morning sun, starts to emanate from his person. His garments were like crystal. There is, there is the, a cloud starts to descend. Peter's in the cloud. Peter's in the cloud. And he hears a voice. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Peter was there. I don't understand, Peter. Then how come a week after you, Lazarus, was raised from the dead, how come, Peter, when that little girl thought you were one of his disciples, how come, Peter, how come you got frightened and you denied him? Didn't he told you what was going to happen? He told you what was going to happen. He told you he was going to be crucified. You mean Peter, all those years, and it wasn't just Peter, all the boys, all the boys, they says, the Bible says, they all fled for their lives. 
They'd all been there. They saw him change the water into wine. They saw the multitudes fed supernaturally. They saw it all. They all fled. Peter, I don't understand. How come? How could that be? Because I want to tell you, without the coming of the Holy Spirit of God, the church would have lasted maybe a week. Because once that spirit was poured out, read your Bible. Look what happened to these people. Do you think, oh, we're all, you know, every Christian who, who's, we're all crazy. Look at history. Look at the early Christians. They were so, his presence was so real to them. He was so alive to them. They were in constant contact with him. You see, just quickly, I, we talked about it at the sisters' meetings. One thing the church doesn't understand, please get this. In the garden, God said, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Well, they didn't die physically, but they died in their spirit. They died in their spirit. You know what that means? It means that part of them that could communicate with God died. Their souls got distorted. Their souls sunk. Their bodies now would age and would die. The spirit in the man, communication, the communication that Adam and Eve had known was over. That's why he put angels to stop them from going to the tree of life because he didn't want them to stay that way. His creation was now devastated. Do you know what the first man, Adam and Eve, was supposed to look like? Do you know what they were supposed to look like? They were supposed to look like Jesus. Jesus is God's perfect human being. He is your destiny. You want to know what you're, where you're going? Do you want to know where the road leads? Look at Jesus because he is God's perfect man. And the Bible says we're being conformed unto his image. Oh, gosh, we settle for so little in this life when this is what God wants to do with us. So their spirit sunk. And now I always think of the little toys my kids would get when they were little. And, you know, they'd be broken and, and you'd see it, you know, going around in a circle. Some of them. It's kind of like the human race. We don't function properly. That's why we're all so dysfunctional. That's, the, the Bible just calls us broken. We're not the way God intended. Jesus was the first person of a whole new creation. God said, I'm finished with that creation and I'm starting a new one. And my son is the firstborn of many. And now every human being gets the choice to decide whether they're going to come out of the old creation and come into the new creation. And you know how you do that? You've got to be born again. Now, I remember. You know, I remember 45 years ago when I heard the term, born again? What does that mean? How strange. That, I never heard of it. It must be some new religion. That's what it must be. New religion? Well, Jesus said it in his day 2,000 years ago. Listen to me. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's why if you've been born again, you know what I'm talking about. Because I know the day, the time period in my life that I was born again, all I know is it was dramatic and it was traumatic and I saw everything differently. And I'd go to people and say, he's real, Jesus, he's real. And people would go, yeah. Yeah, I, I've always known that. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I know, I, I used to know that too. But now I, I know it. Why does that happen to people? And then you get around people whose spirits are dead and they say, I don't know, these people are just fanatics. These people are crazy. I don't get it. They could come into our worship service and say, I don't understand why those people get into worship like that. They all look like it really means something to them. What are they doing? How do they... If that's you, that's okay. That's, that's, that, that's, that's okay that, that it seems that way to you. But what you don't understand 
is the ark has come into the holy place in a life. And the, and the spirit of that person is now quickened. And now the spirit of God comes to live in your spirit. Now, I'm going to say a few things. The problem with us today in our Christianity is so much of it is soul and we don't know it. You can never get to God through your soul. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. You can't get to God with your most heated emotions. You can try to work yourself up and I'm going to, and try so hard. You can't touch God with your emotions. You can't touch God with your intellect. That's your soul. There's one, you, if God is a spirit, the only way you can communicate with the spirit is by spirit. You can't touch him. You can't, you can't, in other words, it can't be the originator. Your soul comes along after. And your, your emotions are touched. And your mind is touched. And your will is touched. But it is not the initiator. And some of you, even in this room, say, I don't understand it. I've been around this stuff for so long. I come to this church. I'm exposed to all this stuff. How come I don't get it? How come I don't feel any of this? How come this isn't real to me? Are you all crazy, all of you that think it's... And I say to you, unless a man be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see it. But once you see it, the Apostle Paul says to the Colossians, he says, they were, they were doing will worshiping and they were, they, they were all into the, how they were going to reach God and they, and they had all of this, uh, um, what was the term I want to use? The, about their, they want to reach God through their knowledge. And Paul was saying, what are you talking about? This is not, this isn't the gospel. I want to throw out some hope to those of you that care. I want to throw out some hope for those of you that are still here that haven't felt any of this, but there's still something in you that can't, can't stop. Who still, there's something in you that still wants it, or you're not sure you want it, but you're thinking about it. And for those of us that are, have been touched by the Spirit... Have been born again. I'm brothers and sisters. This isn't a... Well, you can label me if you want. I've seen miracles in my own home. I've seen God do miracles physically in my own home. I've seen the Lord not with these eyes. Do you understand that when you get your spirit renewed, you get new senses? You get new eyes. We talked about open your eyes, put your eyes on Jesus. What eyes are we talking about? We're talking about the eyes of your spirit. That's what we're talking Your spirit man. And 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 problem is once you know the Lord and you don't understand and you're not in a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you're not fellowshipping with Him and He's not real to you and you're not and you're not um, opening yourself to Him, then you think, well, I was saved you know all those years ago and you know Jesus was real all those years ago. All I know is some of us have become so dull in our spirits. And God wants to change that. And some of us on Wednesday felt a new sense of refreshing because we were in this room and we were calling on the Holy Spirit. And, and some people said, it's the first time I ever touched that. Jesus said, if you drink of the water, he said to the woman at the well, but if you drink of the water I give you, you won't go looking for any other water. You won't looking for another man to fill your whole life when you come and drink my water. He said on the day of the feast in John 7, he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I want to tell you one day in my life, I got up in the middle of the night and I was in so much emotional pain about something in my life. Some of you know all my stories. And I sat down and I got in my chair before the Lord and I said, Lord, if you don't do something for me right now, I'm going to die. You've got to come in and do something. 
And the Lord started to speak to me about my fear. And he started to get me to look at exactly what I was afraid of. And he uncovered and uncovered and he made me realize that the root of my fear was a deep sense as a child, a deep vow, a commitment that I would always do the safe thing. I would always, I wouldn't risk myself. I would always do the safe thing. And that what God was calling me to do would not be safe. And I was in, and I was, and there were two parts of me and they were warring. And all I can tell you, Put me on your list of crazies or know that I'm telling you the truth. I want to tell you a gusher, a river came out from the deepest place inside of me. I have no idea. I haven't experienced it much, believe me, but it was so overwhelming. I could not deny it. It was the love of God that saturated me, saturated me. I was a young believer and I was being experienced. I was getting it's a good thing. I, you know, I don't know how you people walk into churches like this. I didn't, that didn't happen to us. We were in a Bible study and we had some older people that knew Christ and, and it happened in a little house and, you know, everything was, oh, you know, water baptism, that's weird. I mean, it took me so long to kind of, and, and to baptism in the spirit, that's weird. But as I got tiptoed into these waters one day, this is God's honest truth. I don't, I don't know what preceded it. But one day, God came, his spirit so flowed over me, it was waves of his love that I was almost ready to cry, please stop, because I couldn't stand it. It was a weekend. I went to sleep like that, and I woke up like that. I mean, I, I can't tell you. You wonder why 50 years Joe and I are doing this? The church has been small. The church has been big. The churches have problems. Do you know why? We're not here for... We, we, we love the people, but we're here because he made himself real. So real to us. One day, one day, um, they asked me to do a devotional. Farmingdale Fellowship, where our brother Joe and Ann were. First woman. First woman. And uh, oh, I was so nervous. And... Uh, I was just so nervous. And we went to stay at a house of somebody who was in the fellowship there, getting ready to go to this, this, this meeting the next morning. And in this meeting were people that I esteemed greatly. I, I don't remember whether Stephen Kong was there, Lance Lambert. I can't remember to this day. But there were people to me that were one step under the Trinity. And I was going to get up and I was going to give my little devotional, right? Like I hadn't opened my mouth. I, I mean, like, really? And I'm a woman? Seriously? And I knew a lot of people in this crowd weren't really thrilled about women talking. So this was really interesting. Let me tell you what happened. I went to bed that night. I said, God, you have to help me. You have to do something for me. I woke up the next morning. I cannot begin to tell you. It was like I was totally surrounded in a bubble. It was like I just got up. Would you like some coffee? Sure. A little breakfast? Why not? They put me in the car. This is lovely. I was like totally and completely at a peace. I, listen, God knew he had to anesthetize me. He did. And all I can tell you is, and please take it when I say this, please take it the way I mean it. There was a line of people after I spoke that day came up to tell me, they had to re-examine how they felt about women. Because God, not me. I was still in the bedroom. The Holy Spirit's the one who picked this body up and walked in. I don't know what to tell you. All I'm telling you is, I'm also warning you. The Holy Spirit doesn't give a rip about your pride. He doesn't give a rip about your reputation either. Sorry. He doesn't. And I want to tell you, you know, Pastor James did such a good job of trying to, to, to lay out the baptism of the Holy Spirit so, so reasonably, so logically, and so well. And I sat here thinking, hmm, you can do the best you can, but when the Holy Spirit gets loose, there ain't nothing. You, know, I, you just don't know what he's going to do. Now, he's not going to do weird things. Well... <laughs> But he is God. He's God. 
And you know what I think? I think some of us need a little shake-up. I think that some of us need a little shake-up because we have become so complacent and so familiar with God. I want to tell you the day is coming, and it's not so soon. I mean, it's not so far away. That the Holy Spirit, the, that the, the world is going to start seeing the church differently. You see... Next week, I'd love to spend some time just talking about how the church has descended over the generations. And people say, people said to me, yeah, but what about the crusades? You know, like, what about those things? Come on. Well, yeah, really? I say, that was an organization that did that. There's always been a group of people that follow the Lamb wherever he went, wherever he goes. And those people that really know him, most people don't know their names. And those people that really know him, they're not out there. They're not on TV. They're not, on, they're not broadcasting themselves. There's an organization, and then there's the real people of God through the generations. And let me tell you something. Whenever God is doing something in a generation that is breaking through, whether it be water baptism, let's go back to the word. Let's make Jesus central. Let's have the Lord's table central. That speaks of his centrality. Whenever they did this, let me tell you what they got for doing it. Anybody know? They got persecuted by the church, not just the Catholic church, but the Protestant church as well. Listen, religion is the deadliest thing you can possibly have. Let me just say, that doesn't mean I don't think there's a real believers in the Catholic church and in Protestant churches, because there are. I'm just saying you can't put a sign out in front of a building that says, we're all the people that have it. We've got the full gospel. We're all, everybody in here, we've all, we're all, we've got it. There's no such thing. God picks. There's people everywhere who really know him. And there are people that will sit in churches like ours who will come week in and week out and never be born again. That's sad. I think that, I think that days, I think that day's coming because it's changing. I think that it's going to get, I think that the church as you and I know it today is going to be very different in a very short period of time. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's not going to be just a meeting, uh, a meeting every a couple of meetings a week. I'm telling you, the church is going to look different. And you remember, I said it when it happens. We're going to be seeking each other out. We're going to see the power of the Spirit. We're going to love each other. We're going to need each other. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm telling you, that is exactly what the Bible tells you is going to happen. And you know what? The Bible says that in the last days, the end of the age, the wheat and the tares grow together. And you can't really tell the difference. But at the end of the age, the angels know the difference. And the angels come and they gather the tares and put them into eternal fire. Listen. I don't care what you're thinking and what what, we're hearing out in the news. And this church, well, they don't think this way anymore. And they don't think that the Bible said that. And they're not really sure about this. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the one. What he believes, what he says, how he sees sexuality, how he sees gender, how he sees life is the way it is. It is reality. Because he is the truth. The truth is not a book. This is not the truth. This is the word. But Jesus Christ said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. You need to, you need to touch him when you come to this word. I mean, you can study. I do. You can study about context and history. But this book is really given to you to have a conversation with the one who wrote it. It's him talking to you about his heart and his purposes. And he says, come, come. I'm going to just clear up one thing quick and then we'll talk with the Holy Spirit and then we're going to close up. So how do you know your spirit? Let me tell you, your spirit has three functions. Number one, I already told you the most important one. Your spirit has an ability to communicate with God. So you and I, 
are to be. We have communion with him. We have fellowship with him. We talk with him. He touches us. We, we touch him. This is what goes on in a, in, a, in, a, in a regenerated spirit. This is what should be going on all the time. Have you ever heard of practicing the presence of God? Do you hear about the book by Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God? That's what it is. Brothers and sisters, this Christian life is practicing the presence of God. It's the, it is the spirit. It's touching him. And it is not to be just once in a while. It's to be your daily portion. Communion, that's, but not through your soul. You touch God through your spirit. We're going to do a little exercise when I close up. Well, you can do it at home. But I am burdened for, for us in here to start understanding this and to start to learn to recognize our spirit. And Apostle Paul said that you would be strengthened in your inner man. Brothers and sisters, that's what we, that's what God wants to do. Strength. Your inner man is your spirit. Your outer man is your soul and your body. Communion, the first function of your spirit. The second function of your spirit is conscience. Now you have a, your, your, your spirit was just enough, I don't know what to say, just enough dead, but something still there that even if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's the conscience. There's a little bit of a conscience that that, in, that people have. I mean, you can go into some, you know, um, deep parts of tribal areas, whether they be in, in South America or whatever, and, and you can find somebody whose conscience bothers them because the person he ate, he you know, uh, he, he shouldn't have he shouldn't have eaten two people. He should have. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be funny. It's true. I mean, your conscience does not have the standards of God. And, but you can still have your conscience there to some degree tweaking. But suddenly you become born again and your conscience becomes awake and alive to God. And God says, no, 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 don't, don't do that. No, no, no. You know, I, the strangest thing, I go through this thing with the Holy Spirit all the time. When I go shopping, like if I'm in Macy's and I'm shopping and I'm looking, if I drop a hanger, or, you know, sometimes you're like hurrying and something drops and you're like, oh, heck with that. And the Holy Spirit says, back, 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 pick up. And I thought, seriously. But I want to know, I want to tell you, in the kingdom, when everybody is led by the Spirit of God living in them, when we're all like Jesus, and we're all the Spirit is ruling over all of us, do you think we'll have to have the laws we have now when the Holy Spirit lives and says, pick up the hanger? Brothers and sisters, do you know Jesus did not any mighty works at all for 30 years until the Spirit came on him? Do you know Jesus never used power apart from the Holy Spirit working through him? He was God's ultimate man. You say, well, yeah, he was Jesus, right? The Godhead, sure. He could... He, he said, I only do the things my fa- I see my father do. I only say the things I hear my father say. When he was with that woman at the well, he had a gift called the spirit, uh, uh, the gift of knowledge. And you can have it and you need to pray for it. And when you get baptized in the spirit, there are gifts God gives you. And the gift of knowledge is one of them. And the gift of knowledge was working. And Jesus said, I... I I know what you, I, I know who you are and I know this about you. You, you let the gift of knowledge work in you and you go up to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and you tell them something that God gave them, God gave you for them. And they're going to be like, whoa, whoa, it's not you. It's not you. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit will come and he will take you into all truth. He is longing to take you into truth about your diet, your marriage. Your, your exercise. He doesn't, you say, all oh, truth. Well, he wants to just give me, you know, he wants to give me theology. Yeah, really? The Holy Spirit is there. He is your helper. And the word comforter really is a bad translation. The real, the best word to translate comforter, Holy Spirit is strengthener. He is there to strengthen you in your spirit. And now the war begins. And you know what the war is? 
You've got the spirit of God on the inside of your spirit, but you've got your soul is still run by yourself. And now you're in for a battle. And if you don't have this battle, you might not be born again. Because one of the first things that happens when you're in a battle is all of a sudden, Jesus said this. What do you think he meant? Jesus said, "Um, if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross, deny yourself. Uh Uh-huh. What in heaven's name was he talking about? Brothers and sisters, you cannot be his disciple until we understand that there's a battle between your flesh and the spirit of God in you. It's like having a little tiny baby that was just born and having this 50-year-old guy. Who do you, there's a battle now. This baby is starting, starting to grow, but this man is a lot stronger. He's been around a long time. And now this new impulse has come. And now... You and I have to decide if we're going to follow the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Do you know what take up your cross means? He's going to do this to your will. He's going to cross your will. He's going to cross your will. And you're not going to like it. And you may scream. And all I can tell you is this. He is freeing you from the biggest prison that you could ever be in. It's a prison of self. You know what the prison of self is like? Oh, me. I wonder about me. I wonder how I am. I wonder how, oh, how this is. Well, I don't, I think she should have said this about me. I don't know how, I don't know how sure, I'm sure I feel, how I feel today. I'm not, I mean, it's subtle. It's subtle, but it is us, brothers and sisters. And the real Christian life is, you now have it, have a decision. Which voice you, which life you are going to respond to. That's why a lot of Christians are the same after 10 years of knowing the Lord, 20 years of knowing the Lord, and 30 years of knowing the Lord. Because they have not heeded and known the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Don't come and look for the baptism of the Holy Spirit unless you have decided that Jesus will be Lord of your life. That means if there's any immorality in your life, if it means like the, if there's anything going on that you know that the Bible tells you, God's in word, tell, then don't, don't run away. Just go to God and say, God, I can't change this. I, 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 you have to help me. He will. He will. But you've got to be serious about wanting him to be Lord of your life. And I'm afraid that there's a gospel roaming around America that really is not including It's called consecration. It means not just I consecrate myself to do this. It's get on the altar. Everything you are. Everything you'll ever be. Everything you have. Get on the altar. And you know what? The Bible says that what's on the altar can never be taken back. The best thing. Hear me. The best thing you can ever do in your life. Is give yourself to God unconditionally, no strings attached. Last function, it's called intuition. You know what that means? There's direct knowledge and then there's acquired knowledge. You know what acquired knowledge is? You get it from your environment. You grow up, you read, you know, you get acquired knowledge. Great, that's supposed to be that way. But you know what direct knowledge is? Direct knowledge is it leap the what you know leapfrogs the whole pro- thought process. You just know that you know that you know that the Bible says that we we know that we're children. We know that we're children of God. I'm missing the verse. I can't think of it. You know instantly. You don't know intellectually, but you know intuitively in your spirit that you are a child of God. How do you know that? And if somebody asks you and they try to get it out of you and explain this to me and I don't get it, you know what you say? I I don't know how else to tell you. I just know that... Anybody with me in here? James would have a real hard time in here this morning. Oh, wow. Anybody here with me? You're listening. What would you say? 
I know, I can't tell you. I know that I know. Now, you know that when Jesus was on that cross, do you know the veil that separated the holy place from the holiest, the holiest place, the holy of holies? That as soon as Jesus was crucified, that veil that, that kept him in that little room that no one could get in but the high priest once a year, that veil was ripped from the top down not from the bottom up wasn't man it was god it was ripped from the top down hang on that means that that holy presence wanted to come out of that little place now think about it this way the outer courts where they slayed the animals the holy place was where the priest ministered and did their service and then the little place was the holy of holies where god was you see, he, that presence wants to come out into your soul, into your mind, and into your emotions, and into your will, and come flooding out and affect your soul and your body. You see, out in the outer court, it's noisy. They're, can you imagine this? They're, they're sacrificing animals. There's, there's tons of people there. You've got natural light, but you go into the holy place and... There's no law. The light is just the light of the candles. Now you start to understand that in your soul, God gives you light. He gives you, in, he gives you knowledge that you can never get just by your acquired knowledge. It's too bad because I feel like I... Lord, what do I want to end up with? Because I... Last thing. We need to get out of the outer court of our own prayer life. And you know what the outer court's like? God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I have this problem. God, I need you to do this. Nothing wrong with petitions. But brothers and sisters, this Lent, God, I think, is calling us in this place to go through a period of time where we begin to come out of the outer court and start to seek God himself in the holy place. We start to come out. Now, the thing is, when I say this, I know it sounds so ethereal, and I really think that I can really help you with that because I think that there's really a lot of ways that we can start to learn to do this. But one of the things I'm going to leave you with before I close up is this. The Bible says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. There we go again. There's the battle. I, I just want to recommend you do this a few times a day. If you can, three minutes, five minutes. I could give you a ton of scriptures about waiting on God. One of the best books you'll ever read is Waiting on God by Andrew Murray. We come rushing in in our prayer time, and we, ha we, well, God, here, we give him our list, and then we leave. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this week. For those of you who maybe feel a, feel a draw to even begin to do this, but if you begin with quietly, quietly, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, start talking to him. Take, take something from the word. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Lord, I just, Holy Spirit, I'm so glad you're my light. Quiet. Don't talk a lot. Quiet. So glad you're my light. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for lighting up my darkness. Thank you. The Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard what God has in store for those who will wait for him in your prayer closet. 
Don't go rushing in. You can give your petitions as you move down, but start by saying, God, I just want to learn. I want to learn how my spirit can speak to you. I want my spirit to touch you. Holy Spirit, I need you to be real to me. You know, and I've got exercises I'm going to be giving you through Lent for those of you that are interested in trying it. There's a verse in Acts 15 when the apostles got together, and this is what they said. They had to come up with some conclusion about dealing with the Gentiles. And this is what they said. It seemed right to the Holy Spirit and to us. You read through the book of Acts and you see the Holy Spirit say, Paul, don't go there. You see the Holy Spirit talk to them, move them. You want to see the book of Acts? Where, oh, the, that's where the early church, where the miracles happened, where thousands of people came flooding into the church. They couldn't wait to get around these people because these were people who were in touch with the Spirit, who was in touch with the high priest. And I didn't even get to tell you about Jesus, the high priest. Do you know that he's the, the high priest that went into the holy place? Do you know today, right now, you can play something, Barbara. You know right now in the holy place, there is a priest. The Lord Jesus is your priest. And you know every priest has a sacrifice. And you know what his sacrifice is? It's his own blood that's on the altar in heaven. And he, the Bible says, is making intercession for you. You know what his intercession sounds like? Holy Spirit. More blessing on Serene. More power on her. Christiana needs help. Strengthen her. Give her. The high priest and the Holy Spirit. We have a high priest, the Bible says, that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You know, you there's not a person that you know in your life that will be more sympathetic, who understands you better. He understands you better than you know yourself. There's not a girlfriend you can call up on the phone. There's not a husband or a wife who can help you. But you go to your high priest and you say, High priest, Jesus, I, I need you. I need, I'm in trouble. I need this. I hate this about myself. I keep losing my temper with my kids and I hate it and I hate it. And the, the, and the Lord Jesus is touched. He's touched by your struggle. He's touched by your battle. He doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn. He says, Holy Spirit, strengthen my child. You have a high priest in heaven. Do you know that? When you go to pray, who do you go to pray to? Listen, just because the New Age took imaging and, 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 and uh, imagination, don't, don't let them steal your imagination. If I asked you right now, what, is your, what does your kitchen look like when you left the house? What does your bedroom look like when you left the house? Hope not like mine. <laughs> Do you know what you did instantly? What did you do? You saw your bedroom. You saw your kitchen. That is the language. That is imaging is the language. It is our language. What is the picture you have in your... Who do you pray to? Is it the God on the throne in Revelation? Is it the father on the throne with the, the rainbow and the angels and, and the sea of glass all around him? Is it your high priest who's in his robes waiting to minister to you? Who do you see? Is it, is it, is it a picture of him in the revelation when he comes and reveals himself to John? And John, who laid his head on his breast, fell down dead, as dead, when he saw the majesty of this Son of God. Brothers and sisters, we are invited to have a relationship with the King of Kings. St. Augustine said, I lost so much time looking for him out there. Do you know what happens, brothers and sisters? 
we get saved and our spirit wakes up and then we go right outside again. And now it's, did you witness enough? Did you read your Bible enough? Did you do this? We go right outside instead of helping We've got to help one another understand you've got to go inside and know the Holy Spirit. You've got to go inside where he's dwelling and develop a relationship with him. How about that song about the Holy Spirit? One of the songs about the Holy Spirit. Let's let's sing that song. You can stay there right now in your chair, but let's sing a song right now. And if if you want a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you want him to be real to you and make Jesus real to you. Let's ask him. Let's, as we sing this song, you can do it quietly. Maybe you're not sure you ever really are born again and that your spirit has never really had that, uh, had that moment. You say, well, you know, some people have it this way. Yeah, it is a lot of different ways. But one thing you know, there's one sign that you always know that someone was born again. Jesus is real. He's not historic. He's not the Jesus in history. He's real now. He's real. My brothers and sisters in this room who have never touched him, We're giving away. He, God is offering us diamonds and we're holding on to our sand. I don't care what you're holding on to in your life. It's like sand in comparison to what God wants to give us. What God wants to give us in the spirit. If that's you today, I'll gladly pray for you after the service. But right now, the new covenant says... You can know God. You don't need a priest. Your priest is in heaven. You don't need another person to make Jesus real to you. He wants to make himself real to you himself. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.